Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of 5 Minute Major Radio. I'm Dave here, along with my broadcast partner in crime, Matt Mastrivani. Matt, how's it going tonight? Just another day in quarantine. Just another day in quarantine. Yeah, I'd, I'd recently drove down to good old Yards Brewery last Friday. Um, and I left at 5 o'clock, rush hour time. And the way my commute from my apartment in Lafayette Hill to get to Yards and Fishtown uh-huh. would be, it would be Lincoln and or slash Kelly Drive and 76 and 676. Normally at 5 o'clock, you're in the middle of rush hour traffic. It's bumper to bumper on those roads. And it's going to take you over an hour. I made it to and from yards in an hour tops. Yeah. <laughs> so this quarantine is crazy. I was driving down 76. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready for a tractor trailer to explode and zombies just walk out of nowhere. Like <laughs> it was really creepy. But Matt, yeah, do you have any other so, weird thoughts on this quarantine? Oh, uh, yeah, I will say um, as as much as it sucks being in this type of situation, it is. I guess interesting, for lack of better terms, to see how everything's working nowadays. Uh, I actually did go out the past two days for essential items. Uh, I had to pick up a couple groceries from Target for my grandparents, and then also had to get some car maintenance done today. So uh, luckily I got that all done. I was also practicing social distancing, washed my hands, all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think people are starting to get adjusted to the quote-unquote new normal and figuring out different ways where they can still kind of get most of what they want or what they need and still kind of follow those guidelines of obviously wearing a mask going in stores washing your hands disinfecting again all that good stuff to help flatten the curve and kick this virus to the curb because we're halfway through April April already, which is, I guess, kind of nice because the last two weeks of March felt like a whole entire year. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, hopefully there's the light at the end of the tunnel is getting somewhat close at this point, but it just seems like we still have a ways to go, which is not going to be fun, but we'll get through it like we get through everything else. Yeah, we just got to keep on keeping on. Um, yeah. But... Um... Matt, we do have to start this week with with some sad news. Um, I'm sure if you're, you know, an average, you know, diehard hockey fan, you, you I mean, even if you're not just a sports fan, it's been all over the news. Um, we have to, you know, give our wishes and thoughts and prayers, et cetera, to Colby Cave's family. Um, Colby Cave, uh, who's 25 years old, passed away from a brain bleed that he suffered um, one week ago today. As a matter of fact, he was rushed to um, – to a hospital in Toronto, and unfortunately, Saturday, um, he lost his life when he was in medically induced coma. Um, again, 25 year old hockey player, just made it to the NHL last season with the Boston Bruins, um, and this year was playing with the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL, and of course, the Bakersfield Condors in the American League. Um, and just a, a terrible, terrible situation. Um, he just got married to his wife last June, so they haven't been married a year yet, and now she's lost her husband and her best friend, and it's just a situation that really, really sucks, Matt. And um, uh, we don't—I don't, I don't know if we're gonna, you know, the the quotes and statements from friends and teammates and family, and his wife's statement on is—it's all on the internet, and it's just something that's really hard to read, and it's a gut punch to no matter you know who you are, and to always keep your loved ones and your thoughts and your ideas and. Make sure you tell the right people that you love them all the time because you never know when your end's going to come. And it's kind of just something that makes everything, you know, come to the forefront and you go, oh, shit, you know, you know, we got to, you know, make our time as best as possible on this earth. But, uh, you know, just I just want to pass on my wishes. I wish, you know, all the best to Colby's family and hope they, you know, eventually do find some peace. Yeah, well, very well said. Um there's not really much else I can say. Uh, it's just, it's tough, especially in a kind of a negative time that we're living in already with the coronavirus and all this kind of stuff going on in our own lives to see how it impacts other people. I mean, it's just, it's devastating for his wife, for his family, his friends. It's devastating for the whole hockey community. Uh, a lot of players knew this, uh, knew Colby Cave as obviously a great guy, um, expressed their feelings uh, on social media, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, 
it's just sad. And I mean, it just sucks because he's got his whole life ahead of him, not just as an athlete, but as a human being. And it was just cut so short by such a tragic event. But um, sending well wishes to his family and friends and all who knew him. Um, if there is any sort of silver lining um, in this whole situation, um, it was announced that the, the Oilers and the family of Colby Cave, uh, they announced Tuesday, yesterday, uh, that they established the Colby Cave, Colby Cave Memorial Fund. Um, the proceeds for the fund will go towards community programs with an emphasis on mental health initiatives and providing access to sports for underprivileged children. Uh, this is according to NHL.com. Um, quoted saying, um, we just want to make sure as we go forward that we keep Colby's memory alive with this. Uh, Oilers chairman Bob Nicholson said Tuesday, uh, he was quoted saying, we really want to make sure we're doing doing this with the hockey community. Um, Cave's wife, Emily, will play a leadership role in the fund, so it's good to know that she'll be uh, keeping the memory of her husband alive, um, along with helping other people not who have maybe gone through the same thing as she is, but just trying to help them in any way they can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely something, you know, some light in the tunnel there and a good thing that the Oilers are looking to do there. But uh, moving on, Matt, we don't we don't want to spend the whole evening on a, on a somber topic there, although we kind of moving on, on to another somber topic here. Hmm. Um, as we record right now at 7.48 p.m. Eastern time on a Wednesday night on April 15th, 2020, there should be Stanley Cup playoff hockey on my television, but there isn't. And yeah, it hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> uh, it's definitely crazy. The playoffs would have been full. In fact, um, you know, we could if we wanted. You know, everyone has known the standings. You know, Flyers, of course, would have been hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and just something where you go, wow, like this could have like the year when they started clicking and things are going good. And you're like, what could have been? And then COVID-19 said, howdy, folks, I'm going to ruin <laughs> everything. And God damn it. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, I mean, you're, at this point, you're just kind of left to wonder what if where, like you just said, the Flyers would have been hosting the Penguins. And I'm sure uh, a, a heated battle of I don't know, at least, I would say at least six games. Um, obviously, the Penguins are no slouch. Uh, no one's a slouch in the playoffs. Uh, it's a different season once that gets started. But it just, I mean, it just flat out sucks that you, like, again, you, like you said, the Flyers were clicking on all cylinders with that nine-game win streak. They were cooled off a little bit by the Bruins and could have been poised to bounce back against Tampa Bay the next game. And then... Just everything gets just completely shut down by the coronavirus. And, again, you're just left to wonder what could have happened at this point where we could have been kicking back, relaxing, having some cold ones together, watching the game, and Mm -hmm. just enjoying Flyers playoff hockey for the first time in three years. Uh, No. Well, they didn't make it last year, but they made it the year before that. So... So, I mean, uh, yeah, but again, regardless, I mean, there was, you just think about it, There's there was so much excitement surrounding this team going into the playoffs. It was the first time in a decade, really, where this team was considered a legit contender, mm-hmm. and it just goes down the drain because of the coronavirus. And, the, again, you're just left to wonder, what if this didn't happen? What if we were in the midst of playoffs right now. Um, I mean, every series, no matter what, you would have gotten Flyers-Penguins. Um, would I got, we, I, I don't, would I, we have I, gotten Edmonton-Calgary? So I've actually got the matchups right here. Um, you would have had uh, Boston hosting the Blue Jackets. Then you would have had Washington hosting Carolina, which would be a, is a rematch of a playoff series from last season. Of course, Flyers, Pittsburgh, and then Tampa Bay, Toronto, which would have been an awesome series. Mm -hmm. Um, That's in the Eastern Conference. Then rolling over to our partners and pals in the Western Conference, um, you would have had the St. Louis Blues hosting the Nashville Predators. That would have been a great series. Um, 
the Vegas Golden Knights hosting the Winnipeg Jets. You'd have Edmonton, Calgary, and Colorado, Dallas. Yeah. Well, All other series, to me, are like, okay, that's a... I, I need to watch this game at least for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would have had my TV going with multiple channels flipping back and forth. Uh, my iPad set up. I would have my TV, my computer, streams. and my phone. Yeah, it would have been a multi-screen affair just trying to watch as much hockey as we could because, I mean, playoff hockey is the best thing on earth. Um, and when the Flyers are in it, I mean, it's stressful as hell, but it is also a wild ride. Just rooting your team on to compete for the Stanley Cup for the first time in a long time. And, I mean, those matchups you just mentioned, I feel like could even change at this point if we still would have had the season going on because there were teams that were making pushes towards the playoffs. Uh, those bubble teams that were scratching and clawing for playoff position just to clinch a berth. So, I mean, there's so many storylines, uh, individual-wise, team-wise. Uh, I mean, throughout the hockey world, there's just so many storylines that we could have been taking in, admiring, uh, making fun of, laughing at, all that kind of stuff. The good and the bad storylines for teams, fans, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just would have been a completely different world right now if all this uh, would have been going on. But, again, like I've said twice already, we're wonder, we're here and left to wonder what if. Precisely, and I definitely think that Flyers-Penguin series, I'm confident in saying the Flyers would win in six games. Now, yeah. granted, I did pick that the last time the Flyers paid the Penguins in the playoffs two seasons ago. Um, <laughs> I was almost right, uh, but then again, you had Dave Hackstall being a terrible head coach, probably the worst coach in the whole entire National Hockey League. And you had Michael Norworth playing playoff games. So yeah. and I, yikes. I will I will say this too. It's a it's almost a double edged sword when uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia has the replays of past playoff games these past couple of weeks. Um, we had the Flyers Penguins game three from the 2012 series mm-hmm. uh, with Crosby and Giroux fighting all that mm-hmm. jazz. Um, the stadium series from last year. Uh, that's obviously not a playoff game, but then from even from 2010, they threw it back 10 years to the uh, the game seven against the Bruins in Boston, where the Flyers came back from three nothing in the game after being down three nothing in the series. Um, every Flyers fan should remember that. Um, Dave, I'm you pretty sure we, we, yeah, you I was at the, the Wachovia Center. I was within was the Wachovia it? Center, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I tried to get you to come with me, and I think your mom would have let you come. Yeah. But um, and I mean, Jake couldn't come I, mean I remember being yeah, I remember watching that at my house. Uh, even just I think a couple of days ago, they replayed the 2010 Flyers Rangers game at mm-hmm. Wells Walk at then Wachovia Center, um, where the Flyers obviously started their miraculous that was on Easter Sunday run, in winning a shootout. I mean, it just it get those games get you amped up, and you just again you're just like son of a gun. I gotta sit here and just reminisce on the good old days. But we could have had some good old days forming right now if the Flyers mm-hmm. were playing playoff hockey. Very, very true. And it just... Another thing that you wondered, too, is for a lot of teams um, who made you know sizable acquisitions at the, at the traded line and gave up assets. Yep. So now you're wondering, okay, cool, I traded a first-round pick for this ex-player who is a free agent, either restricted or unrestricted, come this off season and I don't even know if we're going to be able to get to play, you know, the games with the player that we acquired him for. And now we've lost an asset in the draft and the draft is certainly going to happen. I would assume um, whether or not this season gets canceled or, you know, what, what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can, we'll, we'll be touching on that later in the podcast. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, again, there. like just the, the, the the phrase of the week is what if man because we're just we're left to wonder about so many things that could have happened if we were still playing hockey right now yep and i uh, funny as i i was shared a post by a good friend of the show stavi and um frequent guest as well uh but he shared me a post um that i then took the post and posted on my socials that said dear hockey never again will i complain about my 10 30 p.m Beerly game on a Tuesday night. I miss you. Um, and that's extremely, extremely accurate right now. Yeah. 
Well, and I got to give props to uh, NBC Sports that Doc Emmerich video they made uh, last this past weekend actually uh, over Easter and Passover. Um, his his message to the fans, the players about like how how it'll feel once we are able to kind of cope with this whole situation we're in now and be able to kind of feel quote unquote safe again when we get to watch hockey. I mean, even if it's without fans, people use sports as a getaway from the real world. And now, Mm -hmm. I mean, with sports being shut down for over a month now, it's just, there's really, if things can get dark sometimes, I mean, that's why, again, I'm glad they've been showing these replays of past games from the Flyers, the Phillies, the Sixers. I mean, every team is doing it, regardless of the city, the league, whatever. It's just, I mean, people look to sports as a getaway from the 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 shit that's going on in the real world and i mean it just makes it even harder when you have you really have no escape in a situation like this yeah and luckily the nhl dot uh, tv is still free um i'm not sure if the nhl's extended that that was supposed to end at the end of this month april 30th mm-hmm. um so i and you you assume the nhl is probably going to extend that for the foreseeable future yeah. um and look at the NHL Network's been replaying a bunch of classic games from last year's playoffs. Like I think at one point, I think it was either what if it wasn't last night, it was either Monday night or Sunday night. They were replaying like game sevens from this past last year's playoffs. And it went from I think it was following like the blues, like advancing. Uh-huh. But you literally went from you went from that game seven um to advance or game six when they advanced to beat the Sharks. Right yeah. into Game Seven of the Cup Final, mm-hmm. and it's like it's one o'clock in the morning, and Game Seven just started. I'm like, man, I have to go to bed right now, but I don't want to. <laughs> I'd rather I mean, stay up and watch this. I I will say that my my sleep schedule and all this has been completely just uh, foobard. So, I mean, I I stayed up until two a.m. last night just working on random stuff on my iPad. And I looked at the clock and I went, huh, it's two o'clock. And then I just went to bed. So, <laughs> and then I, I basically sleep until whenever I wake up in the morning without an alarm for the most part. So it's just like, uh, I mean, the days just kind of bleed into each other at this point, but I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're already halfway through April and hopefully we're getting close to the back end of this thing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy with me. You know, luckily I, I have a job where I can still afford and get the luxury of where I can work from my apartment. So I still technically have working hours from nine to five Monday through Friday. But again, you know, I don't have an alarm. I don't have an alarm right now. My alarm is my dog waking either <laughs> myself or Brenna up to say, Hey, it's P o'clock. Take me out. Um, and usually that's not till like eight 30. So it's, you know, wake up at eight 30 roll out of bed, take the dog out make breakfast. And then you start your work day at 9am. So, yeah, and it's just, it's kind of getting Groundhog Day-ish because every day kind of glows together and the workday flies by. Um, but, and I just hope, I hope this is all over sooner than later. You know, my birthday is less than a month and <laughs> I need to be able to throw, throw a banger because that's what I usually do for my birthday. And if I can't do that at Miller's Ale House this year, what is Dave Morris's birthday? That's the great question of it all, man. isn't it? But we'll I mean, cross that it, bridge when we I get mean, there. on the, on the, on the bright side, you can try and you can postpone the the celebration, but and make it delayed. You can't, you can't postpone <laughs> your actual birth date. It, precisely. So um, you might just have to have a uh, a belated celebration this year. Precisely. Everyone can. I'll add my Venmo handle. People can just just send me gifts in Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, anything else, Matt, that you would think to have that we could add about? the playoffs happening this year or should we take an ad break uh, i'm good with an ad break cool so with that we will be right back before you can know it listeners and we will um take a quick pause to hear an ad from our sponsor anchor we are back here at five minute major radio i'm glad you all survived that ad read um but Matt, we are back now. I've said with some Flyers news that you have teed up for us in regards to the injury front. Yes. So uh, this past Friday, April tenth, five days ago, um, Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher released a, um, a few statements about the injury status of 
four players, I believe. Yes. Um, but up first, we have Phil Myers. Um, he had a fractured patella in his right knee against the Sabres on March 7th. The and was expected The kneecap, yes. Uh, he was expected to need four weeks to recover. Um, and he is recovered now. Um, he was announced that it was announced that he was cleared to play for the team if the season resumes. Um, so he's good to go. Um, another guy who was injured during the, I guess, not during the pause, but obviously before the pause happened and into the pause, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, broke his right index finger against the Capitals on March 4th. Um, he's very close to receiving clearance. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure at this point we're not going to get any hockey, um, it was just announced the other day, actually, that the, the league is extending its league-wide quarantine to April 30th. So Van Riemsdyk will have at least another two weeks or so to heal up, and hopefully he'll be cleared to play uh, when and if the season does resume. Um, on to Nolan Patrick. Um, obviously, we know he hasn't played at all this season because of a migraine disorder. Um, he's re- returned home to Winnipeg, and he continues to work out but has not been cleared for contact. Uh, there were a few rays of hope when he participated in some practices with the team at the skate zone, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon, regardless of the season resuming or not. And then, last but not least, we have defenseman Sam Moran, who is having a tough time with his ACL these past few years. Um, he had reconstru- reconstructive surgery on his ACL, ACL on his right knee on November 7th. Um, he's been skating, and he's expected to be cleared to play in time for the start of next season, the 2020-2021 season. Um, so uh, regardless of if the season comes back or not, like Nolan Patrick, he's not going to play again this year, and hopefully we'll see him next year. I'm assuming on the Phantoms, he's kind of uh, – I, I don't want to use the word bust, but his time with the Flyers hasn't really seen him do I anything was... very beneficial – I was just thinking, man, I'm like, it's a time we call Sam Moran a bust. You know, he, he was a reach. I believe he might have been Paul Holmgren's last draft pick. Yeah. And the, it was in the lockout shortened season. The Flyers picked 12th overall, I believe. And they reached on Sam Moran. Yeah. And, I mean, the hype was there. People could see there, there were reasons for the reach at the time of the draft. But everyone realized it was a reach, but they could see why the Flyers did what they did. The potential from this guy was huge when he was playing in junior. No pun into there because the dude is a freaking giant. Um, but injuries have just riddled, riddled his career since getting drafted. He hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full season in years since probably his time in junior. And, you know, when he's gone in the lineup, you know, he's in, in the American League, he's been an okay 3 4 defenseman. And in the NHL, you know, in the one game he played, he looked okay. Um, but the game is not transitioning into the way Sam Rand plays hockey. And honestly, Matt, you can chalk it up in my book, but I, I think I think he's a bust. And it sucks to say because, you know, um, from what interactions I've seen with him on social media and with the, and the other media, he seems like a great kid and a great guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you just don't have it. And sometimes yep. injury, and yeah. hockey gods can curse you that way with injuries. Yep, I was gonna say I think the the injuries uh, that have plagued him these past few years have been his downfall. And I mean that's obviously not his fault, but it's just bad luck for the most part. And it's translating into him not having any sort of um, success in the NHL at this point. Hopefully, you obviously want the guy to recover and be healthy again, but you don't know with where this team is going and kind of him. Possibly, I would say likely falling behind and catching up with being an NHL defenseman, a 10-year NHL defenseman. He's got a lot more work to do, and he's going to have to get called up, hopefully, more now. I don't I don't know. But, I mean, again, he's, he's NHL-ready, but he's not NHL-tenured ready, where he's yeah. not a guy that you would want to be in the lineup every night right now. Um, he still needs some time to, quote-unquote, marinate. Like we always say in the NH in the AHL with the Phantoms, but again, you want the guy to be better. You want him to be healthy. You don't want to see anyone get injured, no matter what team they're on. So uh, it's just a, it's doing a tough ride for the kid. Yeah, and you know he's fallen behind the depth chart. You know he only does have he's got one more year left on his deal that he signed a couple years ago in his two year extension. So after next season, I believe he's an RFA or a UFA. I'm not sure what he would be. I think he's still young enough where he can be a restricted free agent. 
But to me, he's fallen behind guys in the depth chart like Eager Zamula and a Wyatt Wiley. Um, I think he's well behind them in regards of, you know, the Flyers' future. So sucks for Sam Moran, um, but, you know, definitely, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can have a year healthy and play well with the Phantoms and earn himself another contract mm-hmm. because, you know, he's still, you know, you still want what's best for him. But health obviously comes first. Oh, yeah. And then um, on to a couple more quick things here, Flyers-related. Um, beat writer Adam Kimmelman has been checking up with a couple of the um, – players lately um just uh three days ago sunday i believe uh easter sunday april 12th um kevin hayes uh was caught up with adam kimmelman uh for flyers beat writer again i'm butchering my words here sorry but um hayes was asked about uh the flyers and their teammates with uh what they're all doing um around this pause um, and Hayes was quoted saying, we have a Snapchat group and we have a team text message group that's pretty much regularly going. Um, he also said, I send something every day to kind of check in with the guys and see if they want to play Xbox. Uh, it looks like Hayes is a big Call of Duty guy, so uh, that's good to see because I play that a lot. Um, I think he's an yeah, Xbox. But mm-hmm. um, he just, I mean, he just seems like a... He seems like a clown in a good way. Obviously not a clown. Like, if you call someone like, hey, you're a clown. Like, But... Um, I mean, he's. We've seen his personality throughout the season. He's really blossomed, blossomed as a player and as a leader on the team. Um, and it's good to see that he's kind of keeping everyone close while they're all separated by the quarantine at this point. Yeah, that's good. And he, he, he's a good overall human being. I'm sure there's another hockey podcast that he was just on that some of our listeners might be familiar with. Um, we won't drop any names here because you know that's a free ad and we can't afford that these days. <laughs> um, but, you know, Hayes said every year, whenever he, find, whenever he gets a new place, um, he leaves his old video game system at that house as, like, a present to the movers. And he just buys a new system when he gets to his new place. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And he switches off yeah. to Xbox and PlayStation. I mean, Kevin, just make the right move and just permanently switch to Xbox. You, your life will be <laughs> much, much happier. Yeah. Um, and then from Kevin Hayes, we shift gears over to Sean Couturier, who also caught up with Adam Kimmelman uh, yesterday. Um, Couturier was quoted saying, I think guys are still believing in finishing the year and finishing the playoffs. Uh, he also said he's not sure how everything is going to go down, but he thinks everyone's pretty optimistic for giving out the Stanley Cup this year. Um, I'm hoping that's the, the right thing. I hope that they do do that somehow. Um and uh, regarding the playoff run and kind of the uh, the aura surrounding the team going into a possible deep playoff run this year, Couturier said, uh, before this all happened, it was pretty exciting to be a part of. Uh, we were all kind of the same page with our mindset and making a push in the playoffs. It's too bad what's going on. Hopefully we can figure something out to finish the playoffs or the year down the road. We'll see what happens. Uh, Couturier second on the team with 59 points. Uh, 22 goals, 37 assists in 69 games. Nice. Um, and his average nice. of 19.50 on ice per game leads Flyers forwards. Uh, Couturier was also a, a, contender, uh, a contender for the Selkie this year. Probably would have won, honestly. Um, I mean, the only guy you really have to go through these days is Patrice Bergeron, I would say, for the Selkie. Oh, Kopitar. Yeah, Kopitar, too. Still, um, even though the Kings are trash now. Yeah. Um when asked about how he was staying in shape, Couturier said, uh, jokingly, he said his biggest workouts biggest workouts come when he's going up and down the stairs to do some laundry or the dishes. Uh, um, <laughs> but he did add, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, that he's going on daily runs, doing push-ups and sit-ups. Uh, he said, "quote unquote, old school workouts, one you grew up doing at home. Uh, it's not ideal, but it is what it is. Trying to be as prepared as I can with the circumstances we're in." and I mean, you think about it, these guys are so conditioned throughout the season from playing night in and night out where, and even with, I mean, with with all the ice rings closed, gyms closed, um, you got to think about what these guys are doing at home. I know Giroux said that he had a stationary bike, I believe, Mm -hmm. when he was interviewed. So he's doing that. Um, He also, there was also a video, I think, from his wife of him roller skating with his baby in a stroller, which was very cute. Um, But, um, I mean... Everyone's in the same boat, and like, regardless of these guys being professional athletes, everyone's still a human being in this situation. Everyone's got different home situations, and you gotta just think like, 
especially professional athletes, no matter what sport you're do- playing. Um, I mean, obviously they have more money than we do as regular Joes, but I mean, they might not all have private gyms and all that kind of stuff at their houses because they rely so much on being able to go to their practice rinks, uh, mm-hmm. or arenas, all that kind of stuff where they have all that readily available during the season. So, um, and we've been alluding to this ever since we started, but, um, with the season looking to resume at some point in hopefully the near future, um, it's been mentioned that there will be a sort of a training camp for players to get acclimated to some sort of game type situations before they're thrown back into playing actual games. You know, and it's, I think it's, we touched on this, I think last podcast too, but it's necessary with all this time off, you know, that there's being in shape and there's being in, you know, hockey shape and they're very different. Um, so yeah. Um, players will definitely need that. And so will the coaches and the remaining staff, you know, you're, you're going to need time to get back to get everyone back together and get, get the, get the, the juices flowing again, per se with, with the whole sports bonding and, um, and all that fun stuff. But it, because if you jump right into games, it would just lead to injuries. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going down the route, having training camp is overall just the best idea for everyone. Definitely. And then, um, with that being said, we're going to move on from the flyers to the, the big picture of the entire NHL here, um, again, from NHL.com, uh, this article from Nicholas J. Kotsanika. I'm probably Jeff. Oh, hold on a second. Recalibrating my speech here. Um, I probably, I don't even know what word I'm trying to say. I probably yeah, jumbled. I probably jumbled that name. Um, that's the best word I can think of right there. But um, anyway. Um, his article says that the the NHL must be flexible to resume play, according to um, Commissioner Gary Bettman. Uh, to quote from the article, uh, Bettman was saying, my guess at this point is we're probably going to be playing into the summer, which is something that we can certainly do. Um, I would love that, and I'm sure everyone would. I think, honestly, at this point, to, to go away from the hockey standpoint, in general – whatever sport can come back first at this point will be the one that everyone is going to watch. Yes. Like I like, and I think it's going to be, I personally think it's either going to be golf or soccer. I think baseball, baseball, they're talking about doing it. Or and, base, and, and, yeah, see, baseball. Baseball. They're trying to talk about doing again, it in May. Anything in Arizona. At this, anything at this point is better than nothing, but whoever gets that, whoever gets back first, not saying it's a race and anyone should rush and, throw out health concerns for the public and the players. Yeah, we're not staff. in Michigan or Ohio today. Yeah, but um, once everything is safe and they determine it's safe, whatever sport is back first is going to be like a godsend. So, um, but anyway, back to Bettman. Um, according to the article as well, Bettman will be a part of a committee, committee, Committee of Sports Leaders advising President Trump about the reopening of the U.S. economy, uh, the president announced Tuesday. I got to get political here for a second. I don't agree with a lot of stuff Trump says, but this is one thing I do agree with. And he said that we need to get our sports back. Um, I'll give him that, but everything else I'll keep to myself because I don't want to get political on this. Um, But uh, Bettman was scheduled to participate in a conference call with the president on Wednesday today um, and outlined the steps that needed to bring back the NHL in an interview on Mornings with Maria hosted by Maria Bartiromo. Probably butchered that name too. Anyway, um, like I said before, the NHL extended its self-quarantine period for players and staff through the end of this month, April 30th. Uh, The league has also been looking at various forms of testing um, Bettman said it must have the appropriate medical protocols in place, especially with players now spread across North America and Europe, because we obviously know each country is dealing with this in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he was quoted saying, when we decide it's time to play, we've got to get everybody back and be comfortable that not only are we not, that not only are we not only infecting the population of players, but that we're not bringing the coronavirus from other places into jurisdictions where the players and other personnel are going. Um, he said, um, after talking to the players and the players association, the league knows players will need two to three weeks to get into game shape, which brings us back to our training camp. Uh, they haven't had access to team facilities to work out on or to ice skate. 
So we're basically just giving you guys the facts. I pretty much read that entire article right there, but I mean, it's it's what it's what's prominent at this point for hopefully the league to come back. Um, in some capacity, I'm assuming it's going to be without fans for the foreseeable future, but it'll just be nice to have something to watch on TV, and I'm sure everyone is just curious, not curious, anxious to get back to some sort of capacity of covering hockey and hockey coverage. Yeah, and a lot of fans... That was a lot of talking. I'll let you have the talking No, I'm just a point I'm about to bring out, Matt, is a lot of fans do want answers. Um, There are a lot of season ticket holders... Um, who are wondering what's happening with their money that they spent. Um, because, you know, a lot of teams are saying, hey, um, we've suspended payments for next year. Your current tickets will be honored if the season resumes. But if the season gets canceled or if they play if they play games without fans, you'll get a partial refund. Um, but as long as nothing's going on, that money is sitting in there in limbo and the teams are just kind of not doing anything with it. Um and for I know for a lot of players, like for Flyers fans, you know, they, they've got the inside edge cash card. And the way the Flyers worked that this year was you loaded money onto that card from your credit card. And if you got if you got a code, you got 20 percent off your, your price. But they still gave you the full dollar amount of what you wanted to put in. So, like, for example, if you put in four hundred dollars, you only pay three hundred and eighty. Yep. So still like so people who loaded money like that onto their card right before the this happened like myself um you go okay that's 300 bucks that is just throw out a number you know um you know oh that's 300 dollars that i loaded onto this card and now it's just sitting here when that's 300 dollars that could be useful in my bank account right now and the flyers haven't really addressed that at all and um it brings a valuable point of a lot of people want to know what's happening what's going to happen sooner than later because you know, season tickets are a financial, you know, they're a financial commitment and they do cost a lot of money. And there are people right now who might be ticket holders and work, you know, two or three part-time jobs to afford them and are going, well, hey, you know, I depended on my jobs to pay for my tickets and I don't have a job right now. So yeah. all that money that I put yeah, into my tickets, I could use back. I mean, at this, at this point, it's... <sighs> You hate to bring these two aspects into sports, but at this point, it it really boils down to money and politics. Yeah. Um, where the, I mean, obviously the the economy is very driven by sports, no matter what league it is. Um, but the, I mean, every professional league at this point wants to get things going as soon as they can in a safe capacity for their players, staff, fans, all that kind, everyone involved. Um, and we've continuously seen teams and um, organizations step up and pay their employees who are impacted by this situation, which is so good to see uh, teams donating to outside causes to help with food, uh, personal protection equipment for um, doctors and nurses and all the frontline medical staff helping out with first responders, all that stuff. Um, it's shown how much everyone obviously cares about helping out the people that are on the front lines of the situation, but it's also everyone needs money no matter what you're doing. So it's like, um, I mean, I, it's just, it's no one knows when this is going to be over. And it's just, there's so many things that you have to think about now where it, I mean, it, it complicates everything where there's teams that are, again, like we said earlier in the episode, there's teams that were on the, the cusp of, making the playoffs uh not every team has played the same amount of games in the nhl and i mean it's like they have to figure out a when they're going to come back and how they're going to come back um how they're going to either finish out the regular season in some way or just hop into the playoffs somehow based off of some sort of either points percentage or there was even the possibility of rolling back the schedule to 62 games and then going from there for the playoff seating. 68 games. So, yeah, sorry, 68. Um, but, I mean, there's just so many factors going into this thing where you be, you have to bring an entire sports league back into, like, function, which is not an easy thing. Yeah. But, um, and the NHL has also looked into, every sport has looked into uh, neutral locations for players to stay at in hotels um playing in empty arenas i know the nhl mentioned north dakota being a possible site for games um in an the empty arena 
the arena and the facility is definitely NHL up to NHL standard. Just the problem where North Dakota is, yeah, there's not enough hotels to house all of the NHL mm-hmm. teams. Um, I did see this on Twitter actually yesterday. Apparently, the state of Florida has uh, voted in saying that pro sports are an essential industry right now. So apparently, pro sports are about to be allowed back in Florida. Hmm. Um, well, I've only saw, I only saw WWE it on, as an essential. Yeah, I've only seen that on Twitter. So don't count me on hold. Don't hold anything I'm saying to to a potential word here. Um, but Florida hasn't really been hit that badly with the coronavirus. So maybe, you know, it wouldn't be a, a bad spot for players to go. And, you know, you've got ice in Tampa Bay and you've got ice and an empty arena always with the Florida Panthers down in Sunrise, Florida. Nice oh, jab there, the Panthers. Um, but, you know, Sunrise, not that far from Miami, and you've got Tampa. Yeah. And in between you have Orlando. Um, so everyone, you know, Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, heard of it. Not a big deal. Geology podcast uh, now. But hey, I'm just saying. Geography, if, sorry. If Florida, hey, I'm now, missing great, all my Florida, words so bad tonight. Florida's climate not ideal for ice hockey, whereas North Dakota is. But you already have two hockey teams in the state of Florida, and you have a staff there who knows how to keep ice cold in hot and humid weather. So I'm just saying. Florida might be our best friend soon. It's a possibility. I mean, hey, I'm, possible again. Any, and maybe any just maybe, sort of... maybe just maybe Matt, and I'll, I'll let you have the talking stick for a second here. And is maybe just maybe if you had the Florida Panthers host other teams, there would be some fans in those stands. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Thank two, you, thank two jabs you. at the Panthers, man. You're ruthless. I mean, the Panthers suck anyway. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, whatever sport, like I said before, whatever sport somehow comes back first is going to be the one that everyone's going to be glued to their TV with. I'm be um, I'll be, like, live tweeting a baseball game. That's not the Phillies. I was going to say, I, I mean, I would live tweet golf. Be like, oh, man, I don't know what that did. Sick but it looked birdie, like a good shot. Yeah. But, um... Aside from all that, let's we'll try and end it on some, some lighter news here and some interesting facts. Um, yesterday, Seattle, uh, the unnamed Seattle franchise, which was I believe was going to reveal their name as of this summer, and it might not happen because of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. but still known as NHL Seattle, uh, donated a million dollars relief. Um they're going to aid grocery grocery voucher programs, provide grants for performing arts. Um, it's the they donated. Oh, so here we go. We'll break it down here for you. Eight hundred thousand will go to the United Way of King County's Community Relief Fund to support the Office of Sustainability and Environment's expanded grocery voucher program, which will provide a thousand workers impacted with coronavirus with. $800 vouchers that can be immediately used at any Washington State Safeway store to purchase food and household goods. Also, the city will continue to raise funds with the goals of providing an additional 1,000 re- recently displa- displaced workers with the grocery vouchers. Um, obviously, everyone needs essential groceries now, and um, if you can't find toilet paper, hopefully you can find fresh fruit, produce, all that kind of stuff. So. You know, I mean, anything helps at this point. And um, NHL Seattle is obviously, they want to get going as the next franchise, but it's going to probably be a while before they do. Um, the other 200000 will provide grants to 21 Seattle Center arts and nonprofit organizations, including the Seattle Opera, Children's Museum, Pacific Science Center, and International Film Festival. Um, the dream for the NHL team and a new arena in the city were born out of a strong collaboration and partnership with the city to create powerful and lasting for our community. Um, Todd Lewicki, the CEO of the NH- of NHL Seattle, said. Um, he also said that in that spirit, we're committed to giving back and supporting those families with an urgent and immediate need and our nonprofit neighbors at the Seattle Center who need a lift. We know that better days are ahead, but we want to help bridge the gap during this time of uncertainty. Um, so props to you, NHL Seattle, anything counts and any thoughts? No, good, good on the Seattle to be named team. I'm, I'm personally pulling for the, pull, pulling for the Kraken. Um, 
but you know, obviously it's a, it's a good donation there. Uh, King County being the county that Seattle's in, obviously, for those who want to keep up with the geography on this on, on, on this week's episode. Um, and just overall, it's it's a good thing to do, and it's something that it's good to hear, and it's going to be good for their future brand. Because hey, when this happened, we did this. Uh, but overall, it's good to help people in need it always. So you know, good on them. And then, uh, last but not least, just an interesting little tidbit um, for this date in history in the NHL uh, here. So on this date in history, April fifteenth in nineteen fifty two. The tradition of throwing an octopus onto the ice begins when the Detroit Red Wings become the first team to win the Stanley Cup without losing a playoff game by defeating the Montreal Canadiens 3-0 in Game 4 of the final. Um, the tradition was started when brothers Pete and Jerry Cusimano, store owners in Detroit's Eastern Market, make history made history when they tossed an octopus onto the ice at Olympia Stadium. Um, if you don't know, each tentacle symbolizes one of the eight victories needed. To, uh, so it symbolized one of the eight victories needed to win the cup during the original six era. Obviously, you need 16 now, um, but it's been a tradition ever since, even though the Red Wings have been a dumpster fire this year and probably aren't going to make the playoffs anytime soon. But um, still, you a cool might get Alexis Lafreniere, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Nice little tidbit there. Uh, here we go. A Flyers one. Um, we have this date in 1977. Rick McLeish rallied the Philadelphia Flyers to a 4-3 overtime victory against the Maple Leafs in Game 3 of the quarterfinals at Maple Leaf Gardens. With the Flyers less than a minute from going down 3-0 in the best-of-seven series, McLeish scored the tying goal at 19-22 with the third period, then scored the winner at 2:55 of overtime. Uh, he became the first NHL player to score a last-minute tying goal and an overtime goal in the same playoff game. Uh, after losing the first two home, first two games at home, the Flyers rallied to win the series in six games. Not too shabby. And uh, in, on this date in 1993, more recent, sort of, um, T. Bussolani of the Winnipeg Jets completed his the greatest rookie season in the NHL by scoring his 76th goal and contributing an assist in a 3-0 victory against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, His 76 goals and 132 points set NHL rookie records that stand to this day. He shares the 1992-93 league lead in goals with Alexander Mogilny of the Sabres, who scored twice in a 7-4 loss to the Flyers. (laughs) Woo! So, uh, oh, here we go. Another one from 2012 with the Flyers. Playoff hockey that we don't have, but this will be our last one. Um, This date, 2012, we were at this game. At least I was. I think you were, too. Uh, Game three of the Flyers-Penguins series was was today. I was Uh, not at this game. I was watching it, um, I think, with Harrison at his old house. Wow. Back in back back in the good old Gatborough. So, um, as we talked about earlier, um, this says that on this day in 2012, the Flyers became the first team in NHL history to score eight goals in consecutive playoff games when they defeated the Penguins eight to four in Game Three of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, since it has been dubbed the "You Can't Beat Us" and the Hulkamania. Flyers game when Hulk Hogan made his fabled appearance on the Wachovia or Wells Fargo Center. Then, so all right, it was the Wells Fargo Center then, but um, just the place was rocking. Probably the last time the Flyers won a playoff series was that year, mm-hmm. 2012. It's been eight years since we've had a playoff series win. Um, that win, in particular, uh, it came two nights after an 8 5 win at the then Console Energy Center in Pittsburgh. When Matt Reed, Max Talbot, and Daniel, Danny Briere each scored two goals for the Flyers, who went on to win the series in six games. And in that game six, back at Wells Fargo Center, the fabled Claude Giroux laying out Sidney Crosby and scoring that first goal just over a minute into the game. Yep. And sending the Wells Fargo Center into a frenzy as the Flyers put the Penguins away in game six and moved on to the second round and then lost. 
They lost in five games to the New Jersey Devils. I was at game one, yep. and they scored the first goal in all five games. And then we went on to another eight years of mediocrity, and now we have no hockey. And now here we are. But just good to reminisce, and um, hopefully we'll have hockey again soon. Hopefully. But that's all uh, I got, so... Um, yeah, I got I got nothing else tonight, dude. You know, we were texting earlier today, like, what are we gonna talk about? And we're like, uh, let's figure that out because <laughs> we're running out of stuff to yeah, talk about. Yeah, I'm 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 digging deep into the in the NHL news now, or anything sports related, hockey related. You gotta give the people what they want. Maybe maybe something we can do for fun. I don't know if you'd be down for this, but maybe we can go through the Flyers prospects pool. And then, like, if they're under 25, it's kind of Broad Street Hockey does this. They do their their top 25, under 25. Uh-huh. Um, we could steal their idea if we wanted and both do our own rankings and then discuss them in, like, groups of five or groups of – or do it all in one episode. Just go through our rankings. It could be an idea. Yeah, that works. Do we want to put out? Do we put out a Twitter poll and see what our Twitter followers should think? Sure. All right, I will. I'll. You're more crafty with the Twitter social in that regard. I, I'll. I'll leave you to post in that Twitter poll right. there. I don't want to mess yeah, it just, up. Just text. But, text me the info. But yeah, words. So that little tease for everyone for the next podcast. Maybe we'll do it in the nearby future. That will take <laughs> some homework from us, Master. Of course, there. There you go. Um, but with that, unless you have anything else to add, Matt, I think we are all done for this evening. I'm good. All right. Well, with that, thank you, everyone, as always, for listening and supporting. Stay alive out there. Stay healthy. Stay mentally healthy. That's also very important in these dark days we live in. Um, we will be back the week of the 27th of April, which is the last week of – it's actually not even the last full week of April. May 1st is that Friday. So we'll be back at the end of the month. Until then, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, don't get the Rona. Um, Keep on finding something to get your sports fixed, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Adios.